I get to read the first reading. It's uh, every year for confirmation, we invite our confirmands, we tell them, we don't just invite them, we tell them to uh, find a scripture verse that would be their confirmation verse. This was mine. And mine, I chose this one because it goes along with a song. That way I could remember it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. That last note was wrong, but otherwise. <clears throat> but it's, it's Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make straight your paths. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. And so we hear a reading from 2 Corinthians. A reading from 2 Corinthians. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ... There is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The reading for this Sunday is from Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 through 19 and 25 through 30. It's on page 792 of your Pew Bible. But to what do, will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all of you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace from God, who loves us with a transforming love. 
from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ, and from the Spirit who unites us all. Amen. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. These few verses have comforted people across the millennium, lots and lots of people, myself included. But if I'm being perfectly honest, it seems so far out of reach most days. I mean, I know people who embody this reality of resting in Jesus really well. But I also know that there are more of us who aren't really sure how that whole thing works. Because each of us have burdens that feel heavy, that cause weariness, and depending on where we are in our life, they can be different. And we're really, really good at downplaying our heavy load and weariness because others have it worse than we do. So we're fine. I grew up hearing things like, eat what's on your plate, there's kids in China who are starving. Anybody else hear stuff like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? So my suffering, stop it, right? There's people who have it worse than you. This is called comparative suffering, and it's ingrained in us from a young age. But the problem is that comparative suffering is not good for us. It does not alleviate our own suffering. It only makes it worse, just like ignoring our emotions only make them bigger and worse. And acknowledging our weariness and our heavy burdens doesn't diminish someone else's heaviness or burdens or suffering. Instead, it helps us manage them. It connects us to each other, and it frees us to hear these words of Jesus's and believe that they are for us, you, me, all of us. So after we take a deep breath, because I know that's the first step in any situation, the next step is to acknowledge what is going on in our lives. To acknowledge the burden and the weariness, both in ourselves and that we see in other people, and to acknowledge them as real and challenging in our lives. So, you should have received a piece of paper, a little pink piece of paper as you came in. Hopefully you all did. I would like um, for us all to first take a deep breath together. Ready? Because I know you're like, oh my gosh, Pastor Karen's going to make us talk to people. But I'm not. You're not going to share today. You're just going to write stuff down, right? So I want you to take a moment and ponder what it is that's wearing you down. What is it that's causing you to feel weary? And I want you to write that down on your paper. Again, you won't share this, or at least I won't ask you to share it. So be as honest as you can for what you write down. So, and take as many deep breaths as you need as you do it.
Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I don't know about you all, but that sounds lovely, especially on those nights when sleep is elusive and the alarm clock goes off at 4 a.m. That's not every morning. But, but what God is talking, what Jesus is talking about here isn't just about sleep and getting those eight hours in. These words, this invitation is about our hearts and our souls that are battered every day by conflicting messages. Dance for us, cry for us, entertain us, please. Our hearts and our souls that are bombarded with the messages of the world that we are not good enough, that we're not doing enough, that we simply aren't enough. Told every day that nothing is ever quite good enough. So this rest that we're invited into is not just an ordinary rest. Instead, it is a Sabbath rest. A time to remind our restless souls that they have a home. This isn't the resting one day a week that's still full of doing, or the rest that we allow ourselves once we've given everything we have and are just plumb exhausted and can do nothing but collapse and rest. This is an intentional time of rest that calms our burdened and weary hearts, not in response to a full life, but so that we can live a full life, so that we can be the followers of Jesus that we want to be. And friends, from the very beginning of Scripture, we are reminded to rest, and that rest become, comes before our work. Genesis 1 ends each stanza with, and it was evening, and it was morning, the fill-in-the-blank day. Anybody wondered why it said like that? I have, right? It's not done so that everything kind of rhymes correctly, or at least not totally, but it's to remind us that rest comes so that work can be done. There's evening, and there's morning. There's rest before work not a reward for hard work. Evening and morning, come to me and rest so that you may face the day. Evening and morning, you are a new creation called to continue God's work of reconciliation. Evening and morning, every day, these words of Jesus's are words for each and every day. They are the well that we return to over and over again. And this pattern of evening and morning was modeled by Jesus as he went about his days in his eating and his rest, in his prayer and his worship. Jesus shows us the importance of rest. But before all of that, it's Jesus' relationship with God that grounds him. It's what provides rest for his soul. Knowing that God, the one who has been working to reconcile humanity to God's very self, knowing that God, then Jesus, the one who looks with compassion on all who seek healing and wholeness, the one who invites the unlikely and the unliked to follow him, the one who will give up everything for our sake, very first thing he does is rest in God, in the love and grace and belonging that he knows 
in our God. And that knowing and that rest is for us too. Jesus is inviting us into this relationship that values each of us enough to bid us to rest our bodies, our hearts, and our souls. Jesus knows that following him, following God, can be wearying and burdensome. Jesus knows that discipleship also happens in life. We don't separate the two. And life can be a lot, too, and carry its own burdens. And Jesus knows that we humans can become so obsessed with riches and productivity and status that we forget this first invitation to know and rest in God. But when we do that, when we allow ourselves to trust in God to rest, we remember with all humility that God so loved the whole world. We remember with humility that God doesn't count our sins against us, not a single one of us, not you, not me, not that neighbor who drives you crazy or that family member you dread seeing. God's reconciling work through Jesus tells us that. And that very action and realization can calm our hearts enough so that we see the world with the eyes of Christ, which is a much gentler way to see and be. It didn't escape my notice that in these few short verses, we move from rest to work. We do that because there's only one reason one would yoke an animal to another animal. It's because it's time to work. And that work only gets done when we are able, or the oxen, which is usually what they're talking about here, are yoked together so that they can walk in step with each other, so that they can work together and not go willy-nilly all over the place. When we are invited to take on Jesus's yoke, well, who do you think he's yoked with? God. And so when we take that on, we yoke ourselves to the one who created us and loves us and strengthens us, the one in whom we find both rest and courage to follow in Jesus' footsteps, being yoked to God and in that yoking, the creator of the universe, love itself, makes the yoke easy and the burden light. Which isn't the two words that I would put with who Jesus is and what he does because Jesus' actions weren't at all easy. He was standing against the powers of his day. He was teaching a word that called for deep change that upset the social hierarchy that had been in place for so long. He healed and made whole so many people, and yet there were so many that still needed healing and wholeness. He saw how the whims of the world pulled people apart, his strength, his ability to be Jesus and do Jesus' things was because he was yoked with God, the source of all things. And so are we. I can stand up here and talk until the cows come home about all the things that we are supposed to do, how we're to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and visit the sick and, 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 and. There is much in this world to do, 
There are people being oppressed by centuries of old systems, centuries of old thoughts, centuries of old behaviors that we're called to fix. There is war and violence and climate change in a world obsessed with power and wealth no matter the cost. And we are called to fix it, to live in a way that saves people, not for the day of their death, but for the days of their lives. There's so much to do and so much to learn and so much and so much and so much. I could talk about it all day long. And I'm pretty sure eventually you would tune me out. Perhaps give up because it's too big. Perhaps wonder if it's even worth it. But the reality is that the life we have committed ourselves to of peace and justice and love is hard. And we know it. And just knowing all that the church is called to do is exhausting, much less doing it all. Jesus is pointing out the reality that we don't do any of it alone. That we yoke ourselves to God. That we allow the Spirit to change the way we see the world, the way we see ourselves. We don't do this without trusting that Jesus is life. And we never do this without being a part of a community of faith. When we can do that, we can be about continuing the ministry of reconciliation that God started in Jesus. Then we can face the things that we and our ancestors have done that harmed people. Then we can give generously of ourselves and our money so that the world may be fed and clothed and visited so that the world will know that they are enough, that they are loved, that they are worthy. And then, dear friends, we can welcome all, we can build community, we can serve our neighbor to the absolute fullest. In the name of Christ. But first come to me, all who are weary, and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light.